Welcome to the Finding Clarity Podcast, featuring Dr. George Cannon. This podcast is a ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church. Finding Clarity seeks to answer your questions about Christianity. Here's George as he looks at this week's question. Welcome to the Finding Clarity Podcast. This is George Cannon, and you are listening to Episode 71. The Finding Clarity Podcast is a podcast ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church where we seek to answer questions that you might have about Christianity and the Christian life. So each week, we try to do a segment concerning a question that a lot of folks are wrestling with and they're trying to find an answer. And so we seek to look for an answer from the Scripture and give you some guidance in your understanding of the Bible to answer that question. And this week, we're going to deal with a question that really affects a lot of people who name the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it really has to do with their families. And it has to do with raising their families or raising their children so that their children know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior as well. And today, the question that we're going to be dealing with is one that can be rather emotional as we discuss it. It can be one that can cause really strong feelings because we're talking about the issue of hope, the hope that we have for our children that they would come to know Jesus as their Savior. In fact, Before we look at the question, I I just need to express that probably for Christian parents, for parents who know Christ, the number one desire that they have for their children is that their child would also one day come to know Jesus as their Savior. So they attempt to do all that they can to make sure that their children come to know Christ. So that's our question today. Does how I raise my child guarantee their faith? Does how I raise my child guarantee their faith? So we're going to discuss that today. And it's not, to be honest with you again, it's it's a powerful question that we wrestle with, that a lot of families are dealing with, and it's one that evokes a lot of emotion because we think about our children and the reality and the possibility that they may not know Jesus as their Savior. So let me just go ahead and begin by saying that we're going to look, first of all, at the issue of parents are always searching for some hope with regards to their kids. And with that, we're going to mention a scripture that is commonly mentioned in a lot of church circles with reference to the hope that one can have concerning their child. But we're going to examine that and see that there may be a problem with how we're trying to use that verse as a guarantee for our children. And then what we're going to do is is we're going to try to explain that proverb, but also to explain the nature of proverbs in general. And then we're going to talk about what we can do, especially if we have a child who is not living according to the ways that we have brought them up, who's not living and who's not expressing with their life or even verbally at this point 
Maybe one time they did before, but they're not now expressing a belief in Jesus Christ as their Savior. So let's begin, first of all, with the issue of searching for hope. When we talk about searching for hope, we need to recognize that this is where a lot of folks are going to really get caught up in the emotion. In fact, it becomes an emotional issue. It's so important to us that we know that our kids know Jesus, that we think sometimes with our emotions rather than we think biblically. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute, George, hold on a second. You're, the way you're answering this question, it's like you're almost saying to me that there is no guarantee. Because isn't there a proverb, a verse that I've heard long ago, it's the verse that I'm holding on to that tells me that my efforts right now with my children will guarantee that they will know Jesus. So what about Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And here's what that proverb says. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. And so what often happens is, is this verse is used by parents who have a child who's not doing right at this point, who's not expressing faith, who's very much living their life as an unbeliever, and they will go and they'll cling with all of their hope to this, to this verse, and they'll say, we have spent all of our time and effort and made sure that they knew, and I can remember when, when they prayed with me to receive Christ, and, and yes, they're not living the way they should, but I'm trusting in this verse, my hope is in this promise, that they will one day come to know Jesus, that they will one day return to Jesus. They'll not depart from it. Okay, well, there is a problem with this understanding of the scripture. And so let me just kind of dissect it for you. First of all, hope is not a guarantee. Simply because you're hoping for the best or you're hoping that your child will come to know Christ doesn't mean that they will. There's no guarantee there. In fact, what you need to recognize is that Proverbs, in general, are pieces of wisdom or principles, general principles by which to live by. And the Proverbs, as a whole, are not written as promises to be fulfilled. In fact, you would probably find a lot of people who would express to you that they have applied this principle, the principle of Proverbs 22, verse 6, and they've never seen the fulfillment of that proverb. It was a principle. But yet their child didn't return, or their child abandoned the faith, or their child rejected the faith, but they did all that they could. See, that's the nature of a proverb. A proverb is a piece of wisdom, a general piece of guidance by which we can apply to our lives, but it's not guaranteeing. It's, it's expressing what can happen, but it's not expressing the reality 
that it will happen. And so oftentimes when, when parents grab a hold of this verse, they're believing that this is what the result will be. Well, the problem is that there are other things that you need to consider, not just what this general principle is. I need to point out something else to you. And it has to do with this proverb in general. And it has to do with the context in which this proverb was written. Because when you and I as believers in the New Testament church, in the church age, read this proverb, we have a tendency to want to view this proverb based upon our understanding of salvation now. But I need to remind you, but that was not the way the setting or the cultural perspective in which this proverb was written. This is a Jewish proverb written by King Solomon, and it's written in a cultural mindset. A, 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 it's written in a mindset that reflects on the fact that salvation was not through faith in Christ. That's not what was happening here. To the Jew at that time, salvation or being a part of God's family or belonging to God had to do with being a part of the covenant. And you were born into it or you became a proselyte and that you became part of it then. It's not something that you trained your child up in. In fact, what we're seeing here is the actual meaning of this verse is that you're talking about training up your child in the manner of way he's supposed to live his life. And when he gets old, he's not going to depart from that. This verse has nothing to do with their salvation because in the minds of the Jewish reader, they were already a part of the covenant because they were born into it. They were a child of Abraham. So this has nothing to do with that. But what we do is, is we want to look at it from our New Testament perspective of an individual decision, which is reflected in the New Testament, and we try to make this say something that it's not saying. So if I understand what the Bible says about each and every person, I understand then that the reality is, is that there, there is no guarantee that what I will do will ensure that my child come to faith. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, in the Old Testament, in the first five books, in the Pentateuch, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses stresses that that the righteousness of one generation will not be credited to the next generation, nor the wickedness of one generation will be credited to the next generation. So what's being expressed here is that each person is personally responsible for their own sin, their own lives. So each person is responsible for themselves. So I can do all that I can to ensure that they are brought up in a way that they understand the truths of the gospel and they understand the truths of Jesus Christ, but it's ultimately their response to whether or not they're going to embrace that for themselves. That is a decision that they have to do on their own. And so, in fact, with my own children, and I continue to do this, I continually stress to them 
that they have to own their own faith. It's not mommy and daddy's faith. It's, it's not grandma and grandpa's faith. It has to be their faith because they're responsible before the Lord. And I can only do so much to present that to them. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you folks. If you think about it, there are other people that you are investing your time in, witnessing, sharing the gospel with them. And there's no guarantees that these other people who are not family members are going to respond either to the gospel. It's up to them to make that decision. So having said that, let me just make the point that there is one other thing that's stressed in the scripture, and that is there is no family that is immune from the fact that they may have a child who does not embrace Jesus Christ, that they may have a child who rejects the faith and goes their own way. In fact, that's pretty prevalent today in our society in which we're seeing a lot of people, when they reach that age of making adult choices, where they decide they, they don't really want to have anything to do with the faith. And to be honest with you folks, it's not an issue of not knowing the Bible. A lot of times folks will say, well, let me buy this program for them. If they heard this program about the proofs of the scripture, then they would embrace. No, no, it's not an issue of not knowing. They know because they've been taught. It's an issue of they don't want to believe, or they believe at this point that it's not important for their life, so they don't need to do anything about it. So the fact of the matter is, is no family is immune from this. And it's a heartache that's shared by a lot of families, and even a lot of people who are in ministry, that they have a child who doesn't embrace the faith. So let me just bring up a point here that I think needs to be stressed. And that is, if you're going through this right now, where you have a child who is rejecting the faith, who's rejecting Christ or things of the faith, you're not alone in this. This is a lot more prevalent than you realize. It's just that we don't talk about it out loud. But this is a very real issue to a lot of people, a very real issue to a lot of people. So I guess the question is, okay, George, well, if there's no guarantee that they'll embrace faith, what do I do? I mean, do I just hang it up and think, oh my goodness, my child's not going to make it? What do I do? Well, I'm just going to give you a couple of things to think about that you need to keep doing. And I mean keep doing them. So number one, what I would say is, is number one, you need to keep investing in their life with the gospel. You need to keep investing in their life with the gospel. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, what I would say is, is don't spend your time arguing with them, trying to convince them. The issue isn't about convincing. The issue is, is that you live your life out before them and show them through your life the reality of Jesus Christ. The issue isn't how much they know about the Bible. I'm already saying to you, a lot of them already know a lot about the Bible. They could probably answer, I mean, they can answer Bible trivia questions and so forth. They've sat through Sunday school and answered those questions. 
But what they need to see is the reality of Jesus and the need for Jesus in their own lives. And so you need to keep investing in them. Just like you spent time investing in them as a child, now that they're going on to adulthood, you need to keep investing in them as well, pointing them to Christ. Maybe you need to be a little bit less direct about it, but you need to do that. Here's the second thing you need to do. You need to keep praying. You need to keep praying that they'll come to faith, that they will embrace faith in Jesus Christ on their own. And you say, well, I'm already praying. Well, let me give you a couple things to pray for with regards to that. And we see this from the scripture. Number one, you need to pray that their eyes are open to the truth because right now they're blinded to the reality of that. And that comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And in this chapter, Paul is answering the critic that's saying that we are keeping the gospel veiled or hidden so that people don't come to faith. He basically refutes that, and here's what he says in verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So what's he saying here? He's saying, if it even was possible to veil it, and it's not, the reason why they're not believing is not because it's not seen or it's not there. It's because they're blind because the God of this world, now who's the God of this world? Satan. Satan has blinded them so that they don't see this glorious light of truth that will set them free. So I'm going to pray, Lord, open their eyes to see the truth. Lord, keep Satan from blinding them to the truth. So that's the first thing I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray that they would have their eyes open, that they would no longer be blind to the truth of the gospel. Here's the next thing I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that they come to their senses. I'm going to pray that they come to their senses. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, that comes from the story of the prodigal son, where Jesus talked about that when he went off on his own and he was living up the high life there, and then he found himself in a very terrible situation that one day he came to his senses. He came to his senses and he realized what he had before and he returned to the Father. And so what we're talking about here is that I need to pray that they come to their senses. I need to pray that my child comes to their senses and returns to Christ or embraces faith in Christ on their own. And and uh, folks, that's reality because we see that oftentimes when it describes unbelievers in the Bible, it describes them in such a way that they're futile in their thinking. Their unbelief comes from their futility of their thinking. Now, you're saying, okay, George, basically you're telling me there's no guarantee no guarantee at all. That verse I've been holding on to is really not speaking to that, although my emotions want to grab a hold of that. There's no guarantee. So let me ask you a question, George. 
where do I place my hope? I was putting it in this verse. I was hoping that because of all this investment that I've made and, and, and ensuring that they come to Christ, where do I put my hope? Well, let me finish out answering this question with this final point. The place that we put our hope is not in our actions. It's not in some speaker or some tape series or it's not in any of that. The place that I put my hope is, is I put my hope concerning my child's faith in the hands of a merciful God. That's where I have to put my hope. So when I pray for my child, I ask God to have mercy, just like he had mercy on me, and I came to faith. Lord, would you have mercy on my son? Would you have mercy on my daughter? And would you open their eyes? Would you help them come to repentance as they come to their senses about who you are? That's where our hope is. Our hope has to be in the mercy of God. Finding Clarity Podcast is really an opportunity to answer questions that you might have about Christianity and the Christian life. And these are not just trivial questions. These are questions that we wrestle with, questions that we deal with on a daily basis. And like today's question, it's something that really we have to stop and think about. You say, George, I've got a question. How do I get that to you? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can get it through us. You can get it through our website. You can get it through our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. Just message us. You can contact the church, or if you go to church here at Kermansville Christian Church, we would encourage you to just write the question down, throw it in the offering, and and I'll make sure they'll make sure, and they'll make sure that I get it, and we'll see about answering it here on the podcast. By the way, if you're listening to this and you don't have a place that you call a church home, and you live in the Kermansville Clearfield area, we would encourage you to come by for a service. Here at the Kerwinsville Christian Church, we're located at 700 State Street in Kerwinsville. Our service time is at 1045 in the morning. We're a come-as-you-are church. You don't need to worry about dressing up. You just need to come and see and learn about Jesus Christ for yourself. Next week, we're going to look at another question, and it has to do with the issue of who belongs to God And aren't we all his children? In fact, that's the question. Are we all God's children? Are we all God's children? And so we're going to deal with that question next week. Until that time, take care.